Hi everyone, welcome to New Hope Community Church. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Ian Buckley, I'm the founding pastor of New Hope Community Church. Today I want to welcome you to 40 Days of Prayer, which is our spiritual growth focus at the beginning of the year for 40 days as we focus intently on prayer. Historically, we have done 40 Days in the Word, 40 Days of Purpose, 40 Days of Transformation, and 40 Days of Community. So, why at the beginning of the year do we focus intently on spiritual growth themes like that? Well, the answer is because all believers are called to grow in their faith, not to stagnate, but to grow. And if we don't grow spiritually, we make decisions based upon how we feel, rather than based upon the truth of God's word. And we're too easily manipulated by our moods rather than doing what God says. In summary, many of the problems in our world today happen because of immaturity and self-centeredness. And that's because the people don't know how to do what's wise or what's the mature approach in God. But here's the good news. Your spiritual growth is God's will for your life. So if you take out your message notes and at the top of your outline there, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, it says, We are not meant to remain as children, that's not God's will, at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching. That means, you know, you just fall for anything, then you're immature. Instead, in other words, on the other hand, we are meant to hold firmly, that's God's will, to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ. Now, recently, my youngest son and his wife have just had a little baby Truman. And as cute as children are, we're not meant to remain as children, but we're meant to grow up. You may want to circle that word, grow up in Christ. So here's a question. What is the perfect picture of spiritual maturity? Well, if we look at Jesus, he is the ultimate picture of spiritual, uh, of spiritual maturity, of emotional maturity, of intellectual maturity. And here's the model that we are called to follow because he made sure the father's priorities were up front and center and perfectly clear in his life. Before we get to the subject of prayer, we need to look at why we do what we're going to do for the next 40 days. So just as there are physical laws in God's universe that he invented, there are spiritual laws that God has invented for your life and mine. And if we want to grow, we need to cooperate with them. We cooperate with gravity and we cooperate with the laws of electricity. So if you want to grow, you're going to cooperate with the laws of spiritual growth. So why don't you write these down? Five laws of spiritual growth. The first one, we grow firstly when we feed on the word of God. We grow when we feed on the word of God. What that's saying there is the Bible is your soul food. You and I can't be spiritually healthy unless we feed on the truth of God's word. Now, you've got to feed your soul, not just once a week when you gather with the church. You've got to feed your soul every day. Otherwise, you're not going to have the strength you need to do what God wants to do in your life and to last the distance. Matthew 4, 4, notice this. Jesus says, people need more than bread for their life, 
They must feed on every word of God. Now that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to feed on it a little bit every day. He wants you to develop that habit. Paul says in Acts chapter 20 verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance, that's what comes after a long journey, among all those who are sanctified. So how do you get built up? How do you grow spiritually in your faith and receive the inheritance that God has promised for you in the end? Well, firstly, trust is absolutely essential, but it must be accompanied by obedience, action to his word. Paul says this, this will lead to your growth notice, it will build you up, and an inheritance too. Among all those who are sanctified, that's the sons and the daughters of our Father. So, let's get real practical here. How do you feed on the Word of God in order to grow? Well, there are six ways to get a grasp. Six ways to get a grasp on God's Word. And we teach this in class 201, but some of you took class 201 in the 1800s. So we'll do a little bit of a refresher. Your hand represents six ways to get into God's Word. And you may want to write these down. Firstly, you can hear the word of God. And that's represented here on the pinky finger, which is the weakest way all throughout scripture of absorbing the word of God. Second, you can read it. And that's signified by the ring finger. Thirdly, you can study it. It's a middle finger. Examine it. And then you can memorize it. Fourthly, that's a really great way to get the word of God into your heart. Fifthly, it's great after you've memorized it to meditate upon it. Think seriously about it. Mull it over in your mind and how it applies, which is number six. The palm represents the application of the word of God to your life. Now, if the only spiritual input you get is by hearing, that can be dangerous because it's not implanted in you. It can go in one ear and clean out the other end. And you don't get to applying it if you can't remember it. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, thereby deceiving yourselves. So when you only have a weak grasp like this, Satan can steal the word of God from you and very easily deceive you and steal your joy and steal your peace and steal the promises that God has given to you. He'll steal your time, because it'll be wasted, and distract your life. Because you don't really have a good grip, or good grasp on the word of God. Now it's a well-known fact that many people forget 95% of what they've heard within 72 hours, unless it's written down. That's why in this church, we give you outline notes. Because the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. When you memorize scripture, now you're getting a much firmer grasp and a firmer grip. When you think seriously, what does this mean in my life? And then when you apply it, that's a palm. Nobody's going to take it out of your hand because you've got a solid grip on the word of God. So for the next 40 days, we're going to teach you or reteach you how to hear, read, study, memorize, meditate and apply the word of God 
specifically though as it relates to the area of prayer. Now here's the action step we're going to do for 40 days. The first one is a daily time with God for 40 days. I'm going to ask you for the next 40 days to spend 10 minutes, 15, half an hour, a little bit every day where you're going to feed daily on the word of God. And that is definitely moving in the direction of a healthier, stronger Christian. Number two, the second law of spiritual growth is we grow when we develop spiritual habits. We grow when we develop spiritual habits. I can't overemphasize the importance of you building good spiritual habits in your life. If you build good habits in your life, then you're going to have good character. And if you have good character, you're going to have a great destiny. Now, if you say, well, I have integrity, I'm honest. But if you're only honest 75% of the time, friend, you don't have integrity. If you have integrity, it means you're habitually honest. You're habitually doing the right thing. If I was to try and say to my darling wife, honey, I'll be faithful to you 364 days of the year. Friends, that ain't going to fly, right? Because partial faithfulness is unfaithfulness. And partial obedience is disobedience. I can't say I'm a faithful husband if I'm faithful most of the time. No, it has to be a habit. It has to become a habit in your life and my life. And so your habits determine what you are, and your character is a sum total of your habits. So how do you develop spiritual habits, and how do you practice them? Friends, like any skill, you develop them by repetition and by practice. John 13, 17 says this, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if, you practice them. See, you don't get God's blessing just for knowing the right thing to do, but for doing the right thing, for practicing the right thing and for making it a habit in your life. Repetition and practice. Now, you may wonder why this spiritual growth focus is 40 days in length. Well, studies have shown, there's a reason for that, that studies have shown that it takes six weeks for you to develop a habit. And this is exactly the same for spiritual habits. To form a habit, you have to do something every day, whether it's exercise or whether it's diet or a spiritual habit or anything else. So when you do it every day for six weeks before it actually becomes a habit in your life and mine. A bit more detail on that is that it actually takes about three weeks for you to become comfortable, to get organized around this, and about three weeks for it to become an ingrained habit on top of that. So what we want to try and do is to develop and strengthen some really good spiritual habits in your life that you will use and draw on for the rest of your life that will help you grow and remain stable and stand firm. And they'll become part of your lifestyle. Some of you listening to this today have had some good habits in the past. Friend, this is the time to get back on track with what God wants you to do he says this in Hebrews 5.14, Solid food is for mature people whose minds, notice this, have been trained by practice. That's called a habit. To know the difference between good and evil. 
This verse contrasts the spiritual babies in the previous verse in 5.13 with the spiritually mature. And it's interesting that those who are called the mature are mature because, why? They have disciplined themselves to feed themselves on the solid food of God's word and doing his will as revealed in his word. John chapter 4 verse 34, Jesus is speaking, he says to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So there we can see that spiritually mature Christians constantly examine themselves in the mirror of God's word and they turn away from sin and they learn what actions, thoughts and attitudes will please God. Now, these people have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In order to grow from infancy, like Truman, to maturity, we must learn discernment. We must train our consciences our senses and our minds to distinguish between good and evil. We must incorporate from the word of God principles of right thinking and right actions and right attitudes where we can correctly judge or discern moral situations that occur in our lives. And also we can discern worldly priorities from God's work and make sure that we're not being seduced by the tide of the world's pull. We can ask ourselves after we've been steeped in the word of God, is this godly or worldly, fleshly desire? I have a question for you. Can you recognize temptation before it traps you? Can you tell the difference between the correct use of scripture and a mistaken one? How much time do you spend reading the word of God? Do you spend a greater amount of time watching TV or movies or on social media compared to the time you spend in the Word of God. Now the reason why a lot of Christians get sidelined in this life and from the race that Paul talks about is we get distracted. In an age of short attention spans, we need good spiritual habits, rhythms to keep us on track. So you determine your habits, and your habits will determine you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.25, all good athletes train hard, they don't mess around, and they practice to get better. They do it to win a prize that won't last. But we practice to win a prize that will last forever. So the habits that you build in your spiritual life are going to pay a dividend forever and ever in eternity. There are lots of habits we could teach you, but during this 40 days of prayer, we're going to focus on these four that are on your outline. Firstly, the habit of weekly large group worship. Second, the habit of small group fellowship. Third, the habit of the daily time alone with God with the Bible and prayer. There it is. That's personal. And then a habit of memorizing God's word. Now these four habits will change your life almost more than anything else. These first two, large group worship and small group fellowship. This was the way that the early church first organized themselves in Jerusalem. Acts 2 verse 46 says, Every day. Notice that it wasn't just on Sundays. 
they continued, that's a habit, to meet together in the temple courts and they worshipped, that's where they worshipped together in large groups. Then notice what they did. They broke bread in their homes, that's communion. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, that's kind of small group fellowship. Believers were gathering in both the temple courts, which is the large groups for the teaching of the apostles, which we have in the Bible, and also they were meeting in homes to celebrate the Lord's Supper for fellowship, for the sharing of needs, and for prayer. So why the need for both? Well, in larger groups, we worship on Sunday, you can't easily pray for one another, you know, if you've had a tough week, but you can do that in a small group. You can't easily share your need for help in the large group, but you can in the small group. Also, in the, in the large group, you can't easily ask questions about something you'd like to understand a little more clearly. You can do that in the small group. And in the large group, you can't really have deeper exchanges, but you can do that in the small group. So, you need a regular large group and a regular small group gathering. Acts 2.47 says, it continues to say, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That means their neighbors noticed. They looked at those people over there and they said, hey, they seem to be more stable. They seem to be less stressed and, and, and freaked out. And they have less fear, even though they've got the same problems that we do. We all live in this fallen world. And by the way, we've also noticed that they're not easily emotionally manipulated or manipulated by their moods and they're not driven by their feelings they're consistent even when there are problems and pressures and some people clearly said i want to check that out neighbors came to know the lord and they accepted christ because they saw a difference between their own worldview which is very unstable and the view of the christian so that's my prayer for our church too. To be strong believers, we need to have weekend worship and during the week a small group. Both are important to have spiritual muscle. The other two habits are a daily time alone with God where we read the Bible and we pray and a habit, secondly, of memorizing the Word of God. These two are essential if you want to be successful in God's eyes. Notice this verse. Joshua 1, 8. Do not let this book of the law, that's the Bible, depart from your mouth. In other words, here's a question. Do you talk about the Bible with your wife, with your husband, with your kids? Don't let this book of the law, the Bible, depart from your mouth. Then he goes on to say, meditate on it day and night. Well, that's kind of hard if there's an incessant chatter going on, occupying excessive amounts of real estate with social media. It says, read it, thinking about it, memorizing it. So what? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. That means apply it. Then, he says, you will be prosperous and successful. Now, many people in this world today, and some Christians, unfortunately, have been deceived by this. They think that prosperity and success come from having power or possessions or prestige 
or influential personal contacts or a relentless desire to get ahead. But that's not what Joshua, God's saying to Joshua in that verse. God taught Joshua and he's telling us to succeed in God's judgment, which is the only one that counts. We must be strong and courageous because the task ahead of every Christian is not going to be easy. Did you hear that? Secondly, to obey God's word and to habitually read and study God's word and by applying it, you may succeed. Now, that may not be according to the world standards, but you will absolutely be a success in God's eyes. And in his heart is the one, by the way, of course, we want to please. Number three, we grow when we help each other grow. We grow when we help each other grow. Friends, you cannot grow to be the person God wants you to be by yourself as an island. Why? Because God has wired us in such a way, in his infinite, inimitable wisdom, that nobody grows to maturity by themselves. Spiritual growth is relational. In other words, that old phrase, we are better together. Romans chapter 1, verse 12. I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. Now, there are at least 56 commands that you and I cannot obey unless you're in a small group. Love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, serve one another, build one another up. Be there for each other. The way that we grow is in community, and the only way you grow is in relationships. So the number one thing God wants you to learn in all of life is how to love. How to love God, firstly, and how to love others, other people. And the two are inextricably bound. You cannot love God and not love others. Why had you say that? Well, take a look at this in 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So John there was quoting some of the spiritual elitists of the day who boasted of their relationship with God. But this boast, I love God, can be tested by their love for the community of God, the church of God, the bride of Christ. Do they refuse to fellowship with their brothers and sisters and keep themselves aloof? Actually, if you think about it, the most selfish person on the earth is an immature baby. It's all I, 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 me, me, me. And it's everybody exists for the baby's needs. It's only when that baby grows up to maturity that it can actually think about other people. Unfortunately, some people never grow up. They're stuck in the mode, it's all about me. It's my schedule, not your schedule. My needs, not your needs. My problems, not giving any consideration to anybody else's problems. My priorities, not yours, and let alone God's. It's all about me. But the Bible says this, contrary to that, it says, let us be concerned for one another. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us be concerned for one another to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit, there's that word, you might want to circle that, of meeting, in this case in homes, as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another 
all the more. So the Bible clearly shows us there that we need each other. And we grow when we're together in groups. We grow in community. Interestingly, as a sidebar, for the first 300 years of the church, there were no church buildings. Everybody met in homes. So here's the action step for this step. You may want to write this down. You want to grow? Action step? Join a small group. Now, if you're not in one, now is the time to get in one. And the easiest way is to just start one. How many people do you have to have in a small group? Three. Jesus said, wherever there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Small is often better, because if you get too big, somebody stops talking. Now, to start a small group, you just get a couple of friends and say, hey, you want to come and study this material on prayer for the next 40 days? I'm not asking you to do it for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm just saying for 40 days. And you say, do you want to study this with us? And get a couple of friends together. That's easy. Fourth factor in our spiritual growth, and this is an important one. We grow when we expect to grow. We grow when we expect to grow. That's the faith factor. And Jesus said clearly in Matthew 9.29, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And the question I want you to ask yourselves is this. What are you going to expect to happen in your life in the next 40 days? Because if you study the scripture, you learn this. God doesn't move and bless you for your complaining. He's not moved by your moaning. But God will move when he sees you trust him in faith. Every time God moves and does a miracle in somebody's life, it's because somebody believed. And if you want God to do something in your life, you say, God, I really want to grow spiritually in the next 40 days. So what are you expecting to happen? You need to think about that. And don't waste the next 40 days. You need to start this focus with a spirit of faith. I'm going to grow a lot in the next 40 days. Okay? Last one. We grow when we commit to grow. We grow when we commit to grow. Now, spiritual growth is not automatic. It's not. Growth is a choice. We must choose to form new and healthy habits and make the effort. You make a choice. Now, let me ask you a very personal question. A year from now, do you want to be more spiritually healthy and more spiritual alive and more mature are more knowledgeable in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you content to be the way you are right now? So the bottom line is, you and I are as close to God as we choose to be. And if you feel far from God, here's one thing I can absolutely promise you. God did not move. I can hear some of you thinking now, well, if my husband would do this, or if my wife, da-da-da, or my parents, or my brother, or my sister, or my aunt, or my boss. Friends, when it comes to spiritual growth, we need to stop blaming anybody else. You and I are as close to God as we want to be. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, says the Lord. Now, some people are flat out not willing to make the effort to take the discipline and build the habits in order to grow. So my question to you is this. Do you really want to grow? And if so, 
What are you willing to do to grow? Are you willing to commit to these habits for the next 40 days? Now, if you say no, you don't really want to grow. Well, that's your choice. But what you're really saying is you want convenience over growth. And last time I checked, that doesn't work. Look at what God says. He shoots straight in Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me. And you want it more than anything else. So when we say, God, I absolutely have to grow. I'm tired of being manipulated by my moods or by the opinions of others. I don't like being a people pleaser. I feel pushed around like that. Pressured by expectations. I don't like the fears that and worries that plague me. I don't like the negativity that too easily just sits below the surface and pops out, bubbles over. I don't like the problem I have with anger and sex and all those things. But instead, God, I want to grow. I want to leave that behind. I want to be the woman of God. I want to be the man of God that you desire me to be. And I want to be consistent and faithful in my relationship with you, my heavenly Father. I want to man up. I want to be strong and steady and stable and anchored in your eternal, inerrant word. Well, guess what, friends? If that's what you've just said, that is a choice. So what's the action step here? You may want to write this down. Commit with others. Commit with others. Friends, we grow faster when we make a decision with other people. And we do it in community. For example, it's much easier to exercise when you've got a partner. It's easy to grow spiritually when you make a commitment with other people to grow. And that could be your spouse. Or it could be a friend. Now some of you say, well, I don't know what, if I want to make such a strong commitment to God. Well, my question to you is, why not? You make commitments to everybody else. In fact, you can't do anything of substance in your life without making a commitment. You can't buy a house without making a serious commitment or even rent a house without making a serious commitment. You certainly can't get married without making a serious commitment till death do us part. So I want to suggest to you that the fear of commitment is ultimately an example of immaturity. The only way you grow is by making commitments and growing into them. Some of you, like me, when we got married, we made a commitment. I stood up before 300 people and I said, I do. Do you know what? I had no clue what that meant when I said that. But I made the commitment and I worked my way into that. Same as being a parent. When we decided to have children, so that's a good idea. We made a commitment. And then four children arrived. And we worked our way into it. Did we have any idea what it would take to raise children? No. But we worked our way into it. So I'm asking you to make a commitment to the most important thing in your life, your relationship with Jesus Christ, and have that relationship grow. That's called spiritual growth. In a sentence, my goal for you is the last verse on your outline. Our greatest wish and prayer is that you will become mature Christians. The bottom line really is, what are you going to do for the next six or seven weeks? Fiddle around on Facebook? Or just do nothing? Well, if you do, you're going to miss out and you're going to watch others grow and benefit from the blessing. Or are you willing to step up to the plate and to develop some new habits 
that will influence the rest of your life and even the rewards for you in eternal destiny. So, as we close, let me lead you in a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the opportunity of spending time for these next 40 days for us to focus on growth in you. Lord, I know that our best days are ahead of us. I do, Lord. I re-up. I commit myself to moving forward in you and everybody else to a deeper level of maturity and growth. Father, we don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to miss out on what you have in store for us. We want your blessing and to please your heart. I pray, Lord, for every person listening to this message today from your word, as we go into the next 40 days, that we will go into this 40 days with anticipation and expectation. It will be a waste of time for us to do this and not do it in faith. So thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the lives of everybody who chooses to build these habits, these godly habits, these habits of spiritual maturity into their lives. May we become true men and women of God in a world that is filled with unstable and flaky and uncommitted people and be a people who are called out, separate and please your heart. I pray this blessing in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Enjoy your small groups. And remember to write us at info at newhope.net.nz if we can help you connect. God bless.